When anti-Asian hate rose to extreme heights during the pandemic, Lee and Yoon received countless requests for support in coping with grief, anger, frustration and anxiety. They witnessed firsthand how mental health issues often went unaddressed, not only in their own immigrant families, but in Asian and Asian American communities. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. And in today's podcast, I have a fantastic talk with Lee and Yoon about using therapeutic tools, journal prompts and grounding exercises to empower people to identify their strengths and resilience across generations, as well as understanding the broader context of family history and the trauma experienced by previous generations. So let's dive in. Sujin and Linda, welcome to Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. I am really, really looking forward to this conversation. It's so important. I love your new book that you've got coming out, Where I Belong, Healing Trauma and Embracing Asian American Identity. I'm just going to read from page 64 as a little bit of an introduction. In 2020, our Asian American communities experienced collective trauma on both a community and structural level. Violence against Asians, especially East and Southeastern Asians, increased significantly with with the start of the COVID-19 pandemic and the rise in anti-Asian racism, evidence in terms like Chinese virus and Kung flu. When people feel hate or anger towards a specific Asian country, Asians from many other countries become targets as well. The xenophobia has always existed in American culture, but for most Americans, it hadn't been expressed so widely and violently in the modern era until the pandemic. Well, Thank you both for addressing this topic and putting this into a book that is explains what's going on and give people, gives people an understanding and tools to be able to understand what is happening and how we can actually help each other. So thank you so much and welcome to Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I think it's definitely really important to be talked about. Thank you for providing us with this platform to have this conversation. Of course, of course. Well, there's so much I want to ask you, but you know, I know there's such a long history. I mean, you even comment back in the 1800s, there was an issue, 9-11, there was a massive issue. This is not something new. So I, I think that maybe the best place to start is I really like your, the way that you look at, at trauma, like you talk about invisible trauma. We all understand the big trauma, but you talk about invisible trauma. I'd love you to maybe start there and then let's then talk about the quote that I read and I'm just going to hand it over to you. When we talk about trauma, there's these evident things that we talk about, especially in the medical model, right? And so there's the things that we are avoiding trauma situations. There, there's a typical PTSD symptoms that we always talk about, right? And so yeah. those are the evident trauma symptoms when we talk about trauma typically. And for us, we were, when we were working with Asians and Asian Americans specifically, we noticed that a lot of the trauma that we are residing with weren't really landing with the way that our medical model were defining trauma. And a lot of the times our clients weren't meeting the PTSD symptom specifically. And so they weren't being diagnosed with PTSD, right? Unless they were really hiding themselves with the way that they they can function in the world, right? So once they aren't able to perform in their work, once they aren't able to perform in their schoolwork, right? Or whatever it is in their day-to-day life, like once they are 
not able to have healthy relationships. These are the ways that then they can begin to be treated for trauma. But the way that our culture and society has taught us is to be able to fight through the day-to-day, right? We still live with trauma. So all of a lot of our clients were able to show up for work and get the work done, even though they are suffering greatly with this internal battle that they are having, right? Even if it just takes them a lot longer to get things done, they would still get them done, right? So then in the societal lens, in even the medical lens, they weren't being acknowledged. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a huge problem. So, you know, just, I want to quickly just for a second, can you both give your background as well? Because you, you're talking about working with clients. So let's maybe begin. Sujin, do you want to maybe start with your background and then Linda? And then I, I want to dive deeper into this because it's so important. So my name is Sujin Lee. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. And I guess I can begin by where Linda and I met. So Linda and I met at community mental health setting, and we were mostly serving the refugee and immigrant, first generation refugee and immigrants at the time. And this one's the older generation that have suffered through a war and have been displaced and have ended up in the States. And so then when we were serving them, we recognized that talk therapy was really not working for them, especially in the way that they were brought up. And the way that they had to survive was oftentimes through hiding their identity and their survival method was through being silenced. So then all of a sudden to sit in front of somebody and to be asked to talk about what they've gone through was not a treatment model that worked well for them. And so then Linda and I just started talking to each other about other methods and ways that we can really help this community. And it really wasn't fitting with the system that we were working with at the time. And so then we developed uh, over time different programs to be able to talk about trauma and talk about our experiences and our identity at the end of the day differently. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Linda. Hi, I'm Linda. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been in the field over 10 years now. I mainly have worked with Asian refugees and immigrants and also refugees and immigrants from um, other other continents, other countries as well. Uh, that yeah. has been something that passionate of because myself, Susan and I, we are also immigrants. Our families have immigrated to the United States when we were young and we had this experience of growing bicultural, what it means to have our roots back in Korea, having expectation from my family to still follow the traditions and mm-hmm. ex- values, but also adjusting and having the expectation from school and society to become more American, um, whatever that means. Yeah. So and that has been something that personally important to us, our journey. And we really got to see that through our work too. Like as we are walking through our own journey to heal, heal our trauma, heal our uh, identity and reclaim that. Yeah, so that's my background. I have been a big fan of Bond Charge's amazing products for a while now. And I'm so excited to share with you about their amazing infrared sauna blanket. 
if you've been following me for a while, you know how I love the, using the infrared sauna for my mental health. However, I'm always traveling for work and often don't have access to a sauna when I need one to decompress and de-stress. This is why I love Bond Charge's infrared sauna blanket. It works by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so it burns calories while, whilst you relax and de-stress. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. It also helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins, supporting your mind, body and health. Plus, using an infrared sauna also helps release endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric after your session. It's an all-round mood booster. The Bond Charge Infrared Sauna Blanket works by using infrared light, which heats up the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also do not need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. I love how easy it is to use and clean and how it takes around a minute to set up. It's also super sleek and lightweight, which makes it great to travel with. Plus, the Bond Charge Infrared Sauna Blanket is made with a vegan leather and comes with free shipping and an easy returns policy with a 30-day free trial period. So, make 2024 the year you experience less stress and more relaxation, even when you're on the go. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash Leaf and use the coupon code LEAF to save 15% on your infrared sauna blanket. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash LEAF and use the coupon code LEAF to save 15%. The link and details will be in the show notes. Incredible. Well, I'm just all ears to hear what should be done and how you've changed what the model is that you've both developed, which you beautifully lay out in your book, which I you know, highly recommend. Uh, you have stories, you have practical ex- um, ex- little ex- exercises that people can do. So the traditional model didn't work. You've talked about invisible trauma just briefly. Now, and they we hear your background with that in mind. Can you help? Can you explain what the alternative model is that you've developed and how it works? And the floor is yours. You can just, I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm just going to let you talk amongst yourselves back and forth because I'm very, very interested to hear and very, very yeah. keen to learn. Yeah, definitely. I know this podcast also talk a lot about body, mind, spirit. Yes. Yes. And that is definitely something that rooted in Eastern culture in yeah. many Asian cultures. So we definitely talk about how my, our body, mind is connected, how a lot of our ancestors understood what is happening in our mind, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, were a lot of times explained through our somatic symptoms. And people thought out like Tai Chi is very traditional exercise people might have done, but that is also spiritual. Or going to acupuncture or herbalists, you know, shamans, like different modality mm-hmm. of people, practitioners to really make sense of what is going on. Yeah, that's one of the models, one of the areas that we explore. You so you that's amazing. You're so right about the psycho the the approach within this because my whole approach for the past thirty eight years has been one of a psycho neurobiological approach, which is the mind brain body connection, and how you've got to look at the 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 person in the environment and what's going on and how that whole how mind is embodied and it's driving everything. So yeah, we can't just look at the biomedical model. It's been it has not been successful. It's created more problems, not just for. Asian communities, but it's created for everyone. It just has not satisfied that need because it's just labeling and limiting people. And this is what I think really, I really loved about your book because I saw that you're looking at, you're looking holistically at people and that's, it's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, it, 
became very apparent to us, like I explained, because we were faced with the direct impact of the people that were asked to be silenced all of their lives in order for them to survive, like I said, right? Terrible. And then all of a sudden to talk about it, right? And to mm-hmm. talk about it in a way where our mind and their experiences and how the way that tr- trauma was looked at was psychological. So that we're, we are really asking them the difficult questions that we were asking them, right? Was like, what happened to you, right? Tell me about your journey. Like a a lot of the therapists will ask this question. And to them, it's like, that's not something I'm allowed to be talked about, right? That was part of their survival. And if we look at the history, like, for example, the Khmer Rouge, that was literally what was happening when they talked about in the war, when they expressed who they were, what they did, I am a doctor to identify themselves. I am a teacher in a very specific way. They were killed right then and there. Right. Mm. And so then all of a sudden you have this professional who is clearly in this authority figure to them, right? This professional that is an authority figure yeah. to them, to them and ask like, who are you? What are you about? What have you gone through? <laughs> And how can this be treatment of, you know, a model of treatment for people that are clearly saying, no, I cannot talk about this. My instincts, my body, my entire being and spirit is telling me not to tell you who I am. Yeah, it's not safe. So what do you do? What did you do in that situation? Great. And so I think Linda uh, touched on a little bit of the different methods that we implement. And we're not, you know per se, licensed practitioners of all of these different models of health, right? But it's about bringing the community, first of all, bringing the community together and so that they can all meet together with people that are surrounded by others that have gone through the journey. So just gathering that group of people of its own, it's its own healing journey because we now we are okay to not talk about what happened. And yet we have a group of people that understand what happened, mm. right? Yeah. Maybe that was a huge thing. And that's what we also talk about in the book is going through this journey of finding community, finding ourselves and finding community, right? And so to have people that not just look like us, but we know that their experience, their identif- identity aligns with how I identify myself is really important. And to create space and gathering places physically and even online, if it's too far away from each other, to be able to do that is kind of our first step. It's like, okay, you have, I know what you've gone through and I need to, you, I need you to meet with other people that have gone through that similar journey. And you both might not have to talk about it externally, but when you meet with each other, when you introduce each other, when you look at each other in the eyes, and when we create activities which surround our culture, and oftentimes it's really something as simple as let's make food together. Yeah. Let's cook together. Or let's do, as Linda mentioned, like Tai Chi together. And mm-hmm. so then we bring in the other professionals into this group to create that healing space. Oh, that's wonderful. So it's, it's creating that safety. I mean, community is such a basic need as humans, and this is such an individualistic society. And it, it is how we, when we feel safe to be able to share our experiences and feel safe in our vulnerability, 
with people that can identify as opposed to trying to force someone who doesn't have a clue about what you're going through, cannot relate at all to talk about it. It just doesn't make sense. So, I mean, it's, this is absolutely essential. Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of the times, you know, with the next generation of children of immigrants or second, third, fourth generation that are Americans, we often get asked this question, like, how do I get my parents into therapy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I think my parents need therapy. Like they really need to talk about their trauma. They're, they yeah. live it, right? On a day-to-day basis, they witness it. And for the younger generation, like our generation, we grow up with this awareness. We are always taking in this knowledge, right? We're listening to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So, so then we have this knowledge that there is a need for, for some kind of healing to take place, but we just don't understand how to connect with the older generation in order for them to get the help that they need. And the, the thing that our society is telling us, especially in the psychological society Mm -hmm. is that they need to get into therapy with a therapist. Yeah, sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it's not really, it's not really so simple. Right. And the way that, you know, we've, we've changed over time, especially in the midst of COVID is a conversation around what therapy looks like, Mm -hmm. right? Cause we've all been forced into doing this online telemedicine work and that creates a lot of accessibility and yet barriers for connection as well. Mm -hmm. And so now we discuss with the children of immigrants, if they're bringing up the questions about how to get people into therapy and what this therapy look like for them, it's like, well, maybe it doesn't have to be with a licensed therapist or psychologist, psychiatrist is what they're really needing in their life, right? They might just need to find their own community first, and that could be a starting place for them to open up, to feel healing and healed again. Oh, I love that. It's, it reminds me of a study that was done back in Zimbabwe where I was born and spent the first couple of years of my life. And there was, there's no money for the biomedical model there. Mm-hmm. And which is in a way, it's a very good thing because they, it was community and they had this, they call it this, this, this granny who just basically this one of the tribes who sat on one of the benches every day. And it's like a log and people would just come to her and talk and, and just share and talk and listen within that, that community. And it was, it was so successful that Harvard and King's University in London did a study and on this and found it was one of the most successful mental health interventions. It wasn't, so it wasn't a professional. It was community and it was listening and sharing and just being able to feel comfortable in a safe place to share whatever your experience was. That just reminded me when you were sharing that, that reminded me of that, that particular study and incident. I love that. Yeah. I think in a lot of our immigrant communities, there's places of like getting together to play mahjong, like this, this Chinese, ancient Chinese game. Yeah. And they all get together and they just sit there and they're just playing this game. And that could be a model that we Wonderful. can embrace in therapeutic model, right? <laughs> Does it stimulate you find in those situations? Does it then, as you're playing the game and cooking the dinner and the, the eating together, does it lead to then conversations like maybe asking the older generation to talk about their experience and the younger generation listening and so you've got the two generations sharing stories i'm just interested does that sort of thing happen in is that where how does it go what is what is the sort of how does it what does it look like yeah i think when we approach hard conversations we tend to approach it head on like all right 
we're going to dive in. <laughs> Let's get into this. Right? That's great. The way that our culture, especially in the immigrant culture, is taught us to be with hard or difficult conversations and difficult emotions is to hide them away. So to approach it, mm. we really do have to play this long game. <laughs> and cooking, playing games, playing board games, mahjong, all, yeah. all of these are great way to have this long, engaging conversation that we can circulate around the topic instead of just trying to dive right in and everyone rejects, right? Mm. Well, we get defensive. We, you know, we're like, I'm done and walk away. It's exactly what happens with my parents, actually. It's like, if I want to approach them and say, all right, I'm feeling, I'm really feeling sad. Then all of us, I could see their body just freezing. Like, what? Like, what am I supposed to do with you? (laughs) Oh, gosh. And what happens? What do you do? How do you handle that? All right. And so... I knew that that's not exactly the way that I have to approach emotional conversations with them. It's like, all right, let me help you. Like, what, what are we cooking today? All right, let me help you. And I'm going to ask them. I, I start to ask about recipes when we're cooking because mm-hmm. that's a natural way where my mom can start to feel really comfortable about talking about something that is so meaningful and mm-hmm. emotional to her, right? And I'm asking her like, oh, where did this come from? Like, And I'm learning more about myself and finding healing within that too. And then I begin to talk about, you know, recently I've been feeling this way and that. And the soup reminds me of the time when this happened or that happened. And then mm. she's very receptive to talk about that, right? And say, you know, you're right. I love that. Yeah. And so then we're actually having this conversation. Oh, I love well, that. That's it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. What we love about um, doing some activities that they are familiar with, they love, and then brings people connected is that it's also like mindfulness, right? You're Mm -hmm, mindfully mm -hmm. engaging with your sensation physically and what is in front of you to make. Because a lot of times, especially survivors of war, you know, refugees, Mm -hmm. first-generation immigrants, Trauma is so real. I mean, we mentioned earlier Cambodian Khmer Rouge. We had a lot of clients who could be hijacked if they opened the door, like taken away where when they're in a parents or murder in front of them. So we weren't gonna be able to talk about them because they really blocked it out. Like I don't want to be hijacked. But so, yeah, but they're able to be present, right? And then visit a little bit, um, share a little bit about it. Right? It's a little more natural, easier, in some ways, way yeah. to relay while you're building that, you know, way, being able to cope with little emo- those emotions that do come up, right? Mm. So we love doing activities they love that also bring connection that also help them open up in some ways. We just cannot go straight on because they do have real trauma and that they are protecting that for a reason, right? Oh, absolutely. They're terrified. I mean, it's a, it's a very imminent and real threat and it doesn't just go away. What's happened to you? It's, it's there. It's inside of us. So it's, yeah, that's really, so to come in and, and it's, it just shows you as humans, we just need that feeling safe. We need that community. We need to be able to just know I'm not the only one in the situation. Someone understands my fear. I'm not alone. All those things. It sounds to me like that's really a massive part of, of your approach. 
For sure. Yeah. And so we work a lot with the next generation, right? The second, third generation. And to us, then the conversation of intergenerational trauma. I wanted to ask you about that. Yes, let's go ahead. Yeah. So that's, that's the big topic. And we approach it from having this conversation first about like, you know, what is it that our parents went through? What is it that our grandparents, great grandparents have gone through? Mm. And I think oftentimes as, you know, Americans, right, that have really been either born here and immigrated here, the idea of abandoning the past is imminent because we we are told that we have to make adjustments in order for us to survive, in order for us to live, not only just survive, but in order for us to thrive. Like yeah. in order for us to really succeed in this society, we have to adapt. In order for us to adapt, it's as if we have to abandon what happened in our history. And so that's a really sad reality yeah. that we live with, right? And so then we, we open up this conversation with the younger generation about like, is it okay that we approach from the past? Like not mm-hmm. from our personal past, but by our historical past. Mm-hmm. It's really trying to understand where do I come from? Because that part of identity has been, we've been hiding ourselves from it. And to integrate it is going to be part of this healing journey. Not just finding our own community, but finding ourselves, right, is huge. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Relationships are hard work, but they truly make life worth living. Just thinking about my own marriage, it hasn't always been easy and we still have our ups and downs. But after decades together, working on ourselves and through our issues and making an effort to truly be there for each other, I can honestly say my life is so much more with my husband in it. But a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. And therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. Therapy is incredibly helpful, mental health tool that everyone can benefit from wherever they are in life. It's helpful for learning positive relationships and coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash forward slash Dr. Leaf today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. So do you find, that's so interesting, do you find in the younger generation are, it's like an all or none situation. Like they're saying, in order for me to fit into American society, I have to completely put this aside. And But you can't shut off who you are. So it's to create that blend. So, so my question is, are the majority go, um, of this generation trying to completely push the past behind? And that's affecting them because we can't, that's who we are. That's, as you say, that's your, your uniqueness comes from your cultural background, you know, how it, and no, no one should be forced to put that aside. You know, that's not the point of humanity. The point of humanity is to accept each other for who we are and to celebrate those beautiful differences and to, adapt to each other, but within our framework of who we are and where we come from. 
And and that sounds to me like that's the problem to get that balance. Mm-hmm. Is that the problem and how do you talk through something like that? How do you help someone get through something like that? I know that's a big question in a short time, but if you could just sort of point the direction, because I think that's that's really fascinating. Historically, as we talk in our book, Asian immigrants, I mean, just immigrants in general, immigrants and refugees who settle here, right? Asked to assimilate, right? There is definitely ideal. We gotta speak English. You gotta act certain way. You gotta adopt to survive, thrive. So that really added to that loss of culture. And I think second, third generation, at least millennials and up, perhaps have memories of being bullied, you know, whether if they bring their own native food mm-hmm. or they are dressing certain way. Like I certainly have been made fun of for my accent or the food I brought. And I told my mom, like, I just want sandwiches, no more for my Korean food. So kind of in some ways, if they are able to revisit those may, narratives from, that came from those experiences, and then see what did I internalize through these experiences. A lot of times uh, we have, my clients and I definitely have a lot about, like I felt inferior. I felt like my identity didn't matter. Like I had to like reject this part of me. So we talk a lot about learned belief uh, that came from just traumatic, stressful experiences and we figure that out. And then heal those memories, or revisit them, and then how do we reclaim it, right? Mm. Um, and part of it is, you know, revisiting like, hey, what happened to our family that I need to understand that mm-hmm. that brought me to where I am? Like understanding and also rewriting our history, reclaiming, and also doing some inner child work, being yeah. able to really be that parent or be that adult figure that they needed in that time when their parents couldn't because they're also adopting, they're also yeah. surviving. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a very it's 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 huge and, and so vitally important because of how we if, if we feel bad about ourselves and scared about who we are and feel inferior or outcast, that's very destructive to our psyche and it makes us so vulnerable so it's that outcast element that is extremely important to be able to change and to be able to manage that so that so the community aspect is huge in in helping helping with that now you've created a whole like a program and in your program you put into the book so this is and this is now available for people another aspect is this book is educational for obviously within Asian communities, but it's also, everyone should be reading this because the, the, the point I wanted to make is that it's also education. We need to educate everyone. You know, racism comes from people not understanding other people and not, you know, like I come from South Africa and that's, you know, apartheid and racism and, and we can't, you know, it's not comparing, but it is still the, the concept of if you're different, you, it's bad. Whereas different is not bad, different is celebrated. And that comes from educating people. In in doing that education, do you find a difference in, for example, Gen Z versus millennials versus the older generation in terms of openness to accept more, accept differences more readily? We are a product of our generations, right? The society generation that we grew up. So definitely there are some differences we see and it makes sense, you know, coming from all that generation, you had that experiences, right? And we're always evolving. 
Definitely, we do see younger generation, Gen Z, with the technology that connects people from all over the world, right? Connects Mm -hmm. so many different cultures, ideas. We do see them more open and celebrated, especially when we were growing up, Asian culture was not cool. Like Korean culture was not cool. We had classmates who didn't know where Korea was. So are you Chinese, Japanese? Wow. But recently, like, just talking about Korea, like K-pop, you know, K-drama, movies, really gained a lot of popularity, especially younger generation, that suddenly we became full people. (laughs) One of my king class. (laughs) So it's really that their, the message around different backgrounds and people of different culture. I feel like I definitely, I hear more that they're more accepting of their identity. They celebrate, they're proud mm-hmm. of it than generations before. Mm. Yeah. That's you know, beautiful. I, yeah. I love uh, talking about food. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like such a healing method and embracing of everything that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Our written history and sensational things, right? And so... So I love talking about food and I love that the next generation, I'm, I'm noticing them embracing part of their identity through food oftentimes. And so there's this huge movement around like fusion food, right? And I, I think yes. that's a way for us to embrace, like, we just come from all these different backgrounds. I love it. And mm. We can mix and combine our backgrounds and make something really tasty and beautiful out of it. And I think I it's love uh, yeah, physical way for us to be reminded of that as we are taking in different types of food and mixing and making fusional food. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I agree with you about Gen X. I think they're amazing the way it's just, it, I feel like we're learning to, you know, I'm 60 and I come from the Gen X generation and I look at the Gen Z, Gen X and I, and I mean, Gen Z and I just think, wow, this is just beautiful because it's, it's eye opening, accepting, celebrating difference. And openness to learn, openness to share. It's beautiful. And, and it's great that this generation is doing that and they can then help, help the older generation. And talking about the food thing, I was in, invited to a, a very interesting sort of exercise. It's something, it's actually, this guy's done a TED talk on it. And it's essentially where people get together, but they don't say anything about, it's just their name, not even their name. You don't even share your name. You don't share what you do. You just get together, there's normally 12 of you and you cook a meal together. And all you talk about is what you like and what you're interested in. And But you don't give your name, you don't give your background, you don't give your profession. And then at some point in the evening, you just then, everyone goes around the table guessing what you are. So everyone gets a chance to guess who each. So it's one person, then all the other 11 guess what who you are. And it's apps and then the person tells what they actually are. And that particular event, there was like a, a gold medalist, there was a astronaut, there was, I mean, it was like really famous people and how we kind of all didn't really guess correctly because <laughs> we went, we went beyond the outside external thing. And that's the point I'm making here. The, the connection, the bond that was formed within an hour of cooking and eating a meal together was so different to if we'd met formally with all of our official titles and all that kind of thing. And it just right. broke down that. And we would, we, be, we became friends in a short period of time and it was so leveling of the playing fields and so accepting of everything. So I just <laughs> wanted to share that because I, you know, what you were talking about that just reminded me of that experience, which was so amazing. 
Love that. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about when it comes to healing and new method of doing therapeutic work. We all know there are things in life you have to compromise on, like an apartment that's in your budget, but with an upstairs neighbor who plays the drums. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability and insurance. So literally no compromise here because with ZocDoc you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can go and search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly to hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. Plus, you can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I love using ZocDoc and you will too. Just go to ZocDoc.com leaf and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash leaf ZocDoc dot com slash leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Oh, it's beautiful. And it's just so kind of natural and normal because the biomedical models made healing so much about you have to go to the professional and right. I mean, you guys are professional so am i but my whole work is to empower people to help themselves which is what you're doing as well and it's it, you don't have to be a professional we all need to help each other and right. it's, it's more like the professional's the facilitator as opposed mm-hmm. to the you know the heal the healer per se it's it's you know we exactly. have to yeah yeah so it's a okay let's talk a little bit about in the few minutes we have left together just can you talk talk me a little bit through Talk us through the, the sort of layout of the book and how this can help people. If you would yeah. admire either one of you. Yeah. So where I belong with healing trauma, embracing Asian American identity, we have different elements of the book in here. And I love introducing this book to anyone and everyone because yeah. we have so many different elements. The first element is the psychoeducational part. And so it gives a lot of background into setting up for understanding our model of healing and trauma, intergenerational trauma, all the things that we touch upon today, right? But then there is also personal stories. And these are mm-hmm. like stories that have been submitted to us by our community members. And we've interviewed and wrote these stories as well. So if you're not interested in the educational portion, you can just read the personal stories and have this deep understanding about what people were going through, what's in their minds. And really also connect in, in to our own stories as well, right? And so making this community connection is part of this book as well. You're not feeling isolated as you're reading this. And then we have our journal prompts, which leads you through these different ways that you can reflect on yourself about the topic that we've discussed. And then the exercises, which is the whole healing somatic elements that we tie in in this book. Oh, that's beautiful. In the closing two couple of minutes, could you maybe just take us through an example of one of the exercises? I know it's not like you can't, don't, we wouldn't be doing the full one, but I quite like this one on page 30 
where you are dealing with the journal prompt three. We, we've read three different Asian American stories. You know, the house, that one. So let me not give it away. If you can just maybe, I thought that was lovely. That I really liked that exercise. I liked all of them, but this one was really one that stood out to me. Do you know which one I'm talking about on page 30? And you've got to draw a house, an outline of a house like this and fill the house with words and images. Just maybe briefly explain that. So I love having imagery when you work with different exercises. And so I've, I'm going to ask everyone right now, if you, if you can, to have a house in your head, right? And so we're listening. So if you have a pen and paper, then you can do this together too. Grab a pen and paper, but you have an outline of a house, right? And you're going to fill the house with words or images that are going to be answering the following questions. And it's going to become this collage inside of this house. Okay. The first question is, what moments this week are you grateful for? Second one is, who are the people who help you through hard times? And then, what are some items or symbols that represent healing for you? And I'll just do one last one, which is one gift that you have received in the past that have brought you joy. Answer these questions and put them all into this house. And so in this house, you can carry this with you as a gift for the rest of this week. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, how, how can people get hold of your book and where can they find out more about both of you and the work that you're doing? So, Where I Belong, Healing Trauma and Embracing Asian American Identity is now available for pre-order on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Nobles and others. And you can also visit us on our website, the yellowchaircollective.com. We have a book page on the top that you can find more information about book on our website as well. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, which is also handle name Yellow Chair Collective. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to put those links and details in the show notes so people can go and find out more about you. And thank you so much for what the work that you do. It's amazing. I really enjoyed today. I learned so much and it's really great. And congratulations on your new book and I hope it's going to, I'm sure it's going to reach many and help so many people. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for such valuable time today. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. All the best. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com. And to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. 
I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline E. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.